Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia and together with me, Sunanda Vashesh. Sunanda, how are you? Good, Adit. How are you? Ah, doing good. Just um, busy with all the things dominating the world news. And we're very pleased with uh, to have with us not one, but two guests. Uh, two return guests who've been, both have been on Mind Podcast before. Uh, Mohal Joshi and Kishore Narayan. They are both columnists and podcasters, fellow podcasters. Um, they run a podcast called India Rising with Mohal and Kishore, um, which is a fascinating podcast which talks about strategic affairs, foreign policy, uh, defense analysis, and more. More. Um, and both of them continue to be active contributors to to Mindmakers. In fact, uh, the last two pieces published on Mind have been both authored by Kishore and Mohal. And uh, right after the pieces, we are doing a podcast with them. So welcome to Mind Podcast. Thank you, Adit. Thank you, Adit. Thank you. Yeah. So the first voice was Mohan, and the second voice of Kishore was Kishore. In case, just making sure. In case you are tuning us for tuning, joining us for the first time. Um, so uh, Mohan, I think we'll we'll. Uh, so there is one part of the podcast where we are going to talk about uh, the foreign policy uh, visit and stuff, and there I would like to discuss a little bit about your podcast. But I wanted to start with um, uh, something else first. I, initially, I thought about starting with uh, with that portion, but since we are very getting very close to Diwali, um, I had heard of something about firecrackers issues with firecrackers and not being able to burst them until a certain time. Or people getting jailed. Or people. Getting jailed with that. So let's start about that. But before we go that go go into that, I wanted to wish listeners of Mind Podcast and readers of Mind Makers and those of India Rising a very happy Diwali. Uh, we are not going to have a podcast right before Diwali, but we'll have one three four days after that. So very happy Diwali from the Mind team. Yeah, thank you. And I want to jump in here about uh, the uh, crackers thing. I am from Delhi, and I. Uh, I'm very, very aware of the pollution problems in Delhi. I mean, that is not anybody's figment of imagination. Delhi is truly the, one of the most polluted cities of the world. Mm. And uh, but what does the cracker ban achieve is the question, really? And why are the crackers only being penalized when there are bigger pollutants and nothing is being done about that? Are you that? talking about the fields being set, the crops, uh, the crops, the stubble burning, stubble burning. and um, overall, just nobody um, is uh, nobody in all these years has planned a good public transportation system in Delhi. In spite of metro, this hasn't helped. This hasn't. We need lot more than metro. So public transportation hasn't really, you know, taken off. In the, I mean, I go around in metros and I see them packed, but I still see tons of cars on the roads. I still see tons of private vehicles on the roads because the population of Delhi is it's uh, bursting from the seams. Mm. So one is really. Um, so before we start this, I want to give a. I want to preface it by saying that for the um, people who live in Delhi, please don't think that we are undermining your misery. I do know that there are people who are struggling for breath of fresh air. My mother is one of them. So we are, but all we are talking about is that how this is putting a bandaid over ulcer. That's my, um, uh, you know, Same. analogy okay. for it. So I, I so. want to go to Kishore and Mohal. Uh, so why don't I start with you, Kishore? Since you are the one in India, <laughs> tell me about it, and yeah. then I'll go to Mohal. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, uh, Sunanda hit the nail on the head. When she said that we are trying to uh, uh, apply a bandaid on an ulcer, mm. but I would actually qualify it by telling that the bandaid itself 
they have all uh, gone bad. And I'll tell you the reason why I think so. Uh, we are just a week away or maybe even just three days away from Deepavali, uh, uh, as we call it, in South India mm. and Diwali up there in the north. Mm. And again, uh, we don't celebrate it on Diwali day. We celebrate it one day before and yeah. one day after. Yeah. And we all know that Deepavali itself is a five-day long festival. Yeah. Correct. And we are hearing, and we are hearing uh, uh, disturbing reports about how a kid uh, was trying to burst crackers today. And uh, his father was uh, 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 put in prison mm. uh, apparently for the, uh, for not obeying Supreme Court orders. Mm. Now, if you try to if you try to go and ask any municipal authority anywhere in India, mm. uh, they would not be sure about what a green tracker is and uh, how to obtain a license for uh, selling that kind of a tracker. Mm. So again, uh, we have ad hoc problems and ad hoc solutions. Mm. And uh, even when you have an ad hoc solution, mm. uh, the lower level of the bureaucracy has no idea of what to do with that kind of a uh, ruling that comes from uh, up above. Mm. So I think everybody is lost. They have no clue what is happening. And uh, even a small kid who is trying to uh, have this uh, share of fun, uh, you are trying to steal away uh, that fun from him. Mm. Imagine, uh, imagine all of us trying to burst crackers when we were young. We would we would wait the whole year to burst crackers. Yeah, and it all leads up to that this. Kind of, exactly. So imagine that kind of uh, uh, fun being snatched away from us if we are small kids. Mm. So I think that's where uh, it all uh, is boiling down to. Uh, this kind of uh, over-enthusiasm from the top, we all know where it's coming from. Just over-enthusiasm is uh, not helping anybody. Mm. I, interesting. Yeah. So, Kish, uh, Mohal, what is your take on this? Yeah, I think <clears throat> like the if you do any ad hoc schemes as Kishore mentioned, like uh, like odd even scheme or let's say banning firecrackers, it don't solve the overall issue. A more comprehensive plan where let's say you take some steps to uh, tackle like pollution from vehicles, pollution from uh, construction, the stubble burning. I mean, I know we spend crores of rupees on uh, loan waivers and stuff. I mean, we could put aside some money to let's say collect all this and maybe uh, from the farmers the stubble and maybe convert it to like biodegradable fuel or something like that. Uh, some creative solutions but all these facets have to be attacked simultaneously if just by doing any one of them with let's say a fancy or even vehicle scheme or a, uh, like the banning of firecrackers is not going to it just give you a temporary relief i mean just imagine like winter is long in north india for a few months i mean just banning firecrackers won't solve the problem uh, because like all year round like we don't burst firecrackers for three months so what about the other yeah. two and a half months like it's not going to solve that issue yeah interesting no i agree um, i agree with you yeah it, there has to be a long-term solution it on just this. seems also politically that there is a complete stalemate between um amrinder singh and um uh, kejriwal today amrinder singh quipped that is he has he really graduated from iit i cannot believe it <laughs> So there is there is also a political stalemate and states are not working. Both these states, I don't blame Amrinder Singh. Nobody can work with Arvind Kejriwal, not even his own party. But um, anybody, 
you know, it's, it's difficult to work with them. There is just, um, you know, everybody is putting a blame on somebody else. At this point, I really wish the union government would... No, um, but Sunanda, one thing also. But you also have to understand what I keep saying, that Delhi is not just a state. Delhi also houses the capital of India. Yeah. So in that sense, union government at some point, I should take I should take cognizance of it. No, but also Sunanda, for the last, I don't know how many years, come this point, we are having the same conversation again, again and again. again. Yeah. It's like it's like almost as if on queue two or three weeks before Diwali pollution indices start popping up and yeah. oh this is the air quality and stuff. We have a whole year to plan for it again yeah. after Diwali. Everything everybody will be forget forgot, about forgotten. It on New Year's Eve, everybody will be allowed to burst, burst crackers, crackers to, to celebrate Happy New Year. So see, that I find rubbish, right? Yeah. So you can do that on thirty first of December, but you can't do it on Diwali. Yeah. And as it's also like I mean, at least in Ahmedabad, we burst firecrackers during marriage procession. So what happened to that one? Is that also banned? That's another. Question oh, that happens in, in Delhi mind. also. People burst crackers in on uh, you know yeah. during weddings in Delhi also. That happens in Delhi. Mm. And, 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 and a lot. More. Sorry, huh, go on. So one thing is like I see like the prime minister talks about cooperative federalism. Mm. So this could be a good uh, step like where maybe like the Ahmadmi party in Delhi, the Congress party in Punjab and maybe the central government work together to come up with a comprehensive solution which targets all the facets of pollution and not just selectively mm. one I agree. At a time. I agree. Absolutely. I think that is absolutely what needs to be absolutely. done. Absolutely. You can't have middle class pollution and agrarian pollution and then put them all in different categories. Yeah. Or And Mohal don't give ideas ke, ke without uh, mein kya I know in some places they use guns instead of firecrackers we don't want to go there <laughs> so, so ideas ke without firecrackers what will people burst place where uh, guns are um, you know go off during weddings I think uh, Yogi Adityanath is taking care of that place. <laughs> um, but um, but anyways so go, go, moving forward I guess let's let's move on to the other issues that dominated the week I think one thing and this is where I want to talk a little bit about your podcast because it's very important that you guys talk about strategic affairs and foreign policy and have a podcast specially for that. Um, Sunanda and I often refer to um, the foreign policy in the United States, uh, how they, they have a podcast for them and stuff like that. Narendra um, Modi made a trip to Japan. Uh, I think one of the most significant thing was the $75 billion currency swap that happened, which will help uh, devaluing rupee. Um, also something that helped the rupee this week was the gas prices coming down. But uh, more, more significantly, um, United States sanctions to Iran were taking effect on November 1st, but eight countries got the waiver that they could continue buying the oil from Iran, India was on the list of the waiver. So that was significant. It was a foreign policy uh, achievement uh, that India along with Japan, China, South Korea were there. So um, uh, before I go to Sunanda, I wanted y'all's take on it and uh, also talk a little bit about your podcast and what you guys talk about. Yeah, so our podcast, uh, I'll let Kishore answer that, uh, the, the, in the Japan trip question. So <clears throat> what we see today is like there is a lot of uh, uh, clickbait headlines in the media where people don't understand, try to understand the nuance between the foreign policy moves. Mm-hmm. So foreign policy is not like a sudden, uh, like nations don't do sudden shifts in foreign policy. It's a slow and gradual process. There might be small ups and downs. But we have to understand the overall trend. Now in today's uh, like attention span deficit uh, time, like everybody just wants to create outrage over the smallest of high, uh, headlines. And uh, which, you know, when you interpret this in a vacuum, it 
tends to invite unnecessary heartburn and outrage you know why this happened why that happened so what we wanted to do is we wanted to cut through this fog of confusion mm. to deliver the accurate picture of the complex nature of foreign policy yeah. from around the world and how it affects india absolutely fascinating and good luck and to also you. without yeah. any bias because as you know in the media there's a lot of slander and uh-huh. bias so they all interpreted in their versus trying to I get think a reportage a reportage in foreign policies of fast diminishing field all you have in foreign policies analysis and uh, um, most ana- most independent analysts if they are associated with the think tank their foreign policy analysis is, analysis is just a variation of what their think tank talks i haven't about. seen a lot of independent analysis of late, honestly even the, in magazines like and, and foreign policy frankly, and foreign the, affairs the, the i don't the only foreign policy reporting that i find regularly happening in india is when i go to some of indrani bakshi's reports yeah or mind makers mind makers to is matlab <laughs> we do a lot of Haan, um, uh, you know, level pe, no? no no we do a lot no, of do, foreign policy do. reporting without any i mean report i'm talking about reportage, reportage that's what i'm, I'm saying i'm not talking about analysis we do a lot of reportage and and, and and i'm well aware that people are going to talk about a certain foreign affairs editor who has been around for the last 17 years but um, that that person does not do any reportage sadly mm. all all i find and i'm, I'm, I'm deliberately not revealing the gender <laughs> people know who i'm talking about. about so anyways uh, uh, um, so i i will not put that person in report let's get kishore in about indo japan yes so kishore what do you, what is your take on the indo japan thing and also i mean um, i also want to ask three of you actually this oil waiver happened uh, on the eight countries that have been exempted from this iran thing is the world's favorite holiday destination also listed uh no i'm talking about pakistan yes, in case I knew, people didn't i knew know. you were talking about pakistan pakistan is not listed but do remember that uh, do they buy oil from iran or no uh, see i am not aware of that that's why i'm no, not see, sure uh, in um, and uh, kishor and mohal correct me on this during obama time there were about 20 countries that used to get the waiver that has come down to about 8 and india is on it and uh, when people were threatening that um, one of the reasons why um, trump didn't show up or didn't accept the republic day invite was because oh he's going to put the sanctions and then it will be weird for him to come at that point i had also i had immediately said that is not how foreign policy works as mohal was saying mm-hmm. that you know foreign policy is not knee jerk reactions so the waiver is going to come because united states also knows um, india's position in the world. world and how why we are dependent on uh, iranian oil and the relationship we have in with iran so they know it they also know the relationship we have with um, russia so uh, after 2 plus 2 i was not sure i did not think that the um, uh, you know sanctions would have come that would have really been absurd if after this major 2 plus 2 dialogue we would have sanctions even though we are not allies united states and india i keep trying try, telling this to people united states and india are not allies so anyway united states is creating a separate framework to deal with india since civil nuclear deal they have created created a separate framework to deal with india because we don't even fit into their ally category and um, this is um, uh, you know despite whichever party has been in power india has maintained that um, uh, let's not use the word non alignment or anything but uh, you know india has maintained that policy that listen we have our friends we have our allies and we are not going to fall into this trap of your friends are our friends and your allies are our allies mm. so if we are not allies we're not allies let's let's you know uh-huh. um cooperate, cooperate. besides yeah. that so that's what that's that's the um, thank you, you know, for yeah. i wanted to and and kishore your take now on this 
Yeah, I think I think uh, the entire world now realizes that India is not an easy uh, country to to deal with. Exactly. And any which way, any which way. So uh, uh, whether it was with regards to multipolarity now or non-alignment earlier, uh, India just uh, uh, adopts its own course rather than listening to any other country from uh, any part of the world. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think. Uh, Yeah, uh, from whatever I have heard, I don't think uh, China itself uh, has got the waiver as of now. Although uh, there have been some unconfirmed reports that uh, China too will be added to that. Yeah, waiver. I've heard that China too will be added. Yes. Yeah, so uh, as of now, it's only India, South Korea. Uh, and other countries so uh, and, 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 and uh, one just one thing to add to your point kishore i think one of the things that michael yeah. bolton said that we recognize that some of these countries are geographically closer mm. and it makes more prudent i personally think that was probably uh, keeping india in mind <laughs> that point was taken because the country with the biggest geographical adver- geographic advantage here is india yeah has to be has to be yeah mm. because every other country south korea for example mm. uh, far far away and uh, they have no kind of geographical advantage yeah uh, anyway so, mm. so the point i was trying to make was that countries like uh, china and countries like uh, turkey mm. for different although they don't uh, find themselves in the list of uh, eight countries mm. so even though turkey is a nato ally and even though turkey is kind of uh, uh, threatening the us day in day out for mm. various reasons mm. uh, us does not find turkey to be a Uh, to be a valid, uh, valid uh, country to be on that list. Mm. However, again, uh, despite being a NATO ally, mm. and as Sunanda mentioned, India not being an ally, mm. still, uh, even though not being an ally, uh, continues uh, uh, gets on to that list. Mm. So again, that kind of uh, uh, goes to show the kind of importance that even the no, and and a major thing uh, also, it reinforces that the bipartisan. Consensus on India is strong because oh, yeah. you you have transitioned from the Democrat leadership to a Republican leadership now, and and that doesn't seem to be changing. It's only seem to be advancing with the two plus two and and this. But um, before before we end this part, I want to talk to you about uh, Kishore. Spend like about ten fifteen seconds talking about the Japan trip and why it's so significant. Okay, uh, strategically, I think uh, a new addition would be the two plus two dialogue, which will now happen. Uh, between India and Japan, the mm. formalities are yet to be worked out, mm. but that that should be a new addition. India, US already have that. Mm. Uh, India, Australia have that at a joint secretary level, not at a okay. ministerial level. But now India, Japan will have it at the mm. uh, ministerial level. Mm. Now, having said that, India and Japan will now have some kind of a uh, logistics sharing agreement, mm. uh, what they call as the AXA. Mm. So there again, India will have access to the. The Japanese naval base in Djibouti in Africa, in the Horn of Africa, mm. and uh, the Japanese uh, vessels will have access to the Indian naval base in Andaman and Nicobar. Fascinating. So that way, we are we are kind of uh, having this kind of a logistics sharing, mm. which will actually help us in uh, in securing the Indian Ocean region. Mm. So I think that is a welcome uh, step. And uh, apart from that, apart from the geostrategic uh, dimension. The the more uh, headline grabbing news was the currency swap agreement, Correct. where uh, India is now passing seventy uh, five billion dollar worth of uh, uh, currency in in uh, US dollars uh, mm. with uh, with uh, Japan, uh, uh, and uh, sorry, India will be uh, India will be depositing Indian rupees, and right. uh, Japan will be uh, passing their un 
utilize the foreign exchange reserves in US dollars Correct. with India and, and India can use the dollars for as and when needed. They don't have to pay interest for every dollar that they have taken, but only pay interest for the dollar that has been such a significant over, point. Uh, over the period of three years. Yeah. yeah. And now having having said that the interest also is quite low at two and a half to three percent. And that two and a half to three percent is actually determined by a complex set of factors coming in from uh, uh, the financial markets in London. Mm. So I think all those still work out to be beneficial for India mm. simply because India cannot afford to let go of the foreign reserves that it so painfully keeps accumulating uh, uh, time and time again. Yeah. Uh, every time there is a collapse in uh, uh, the crude oil or every time there is a collapse of the Indian Excellent point. Excellent. Amazing, and it's unbelievable how media hasn't talked about this point at all. Yeah, and thank you, Kishore, for talking about this. Um, another, and le- let's add to this. Now, there was also the issue about the the the. the I mean, there is also technical uh, know-how being exchanged with the bullet train project and stuff. So, all in all, I think to sum up what Kishore was saying the relationship between India and Japan is only getting stronger and it's been I think one of the highlights of the Prime Minister Prime Minister Modi's last four and a half years so uh, uh, we would like to uh, conclude this part of the podcast and that in part two we're going to talk about the Asia BB uh, thing Indian politics uh, upcoming state elections and upcoming US elections so um, Pakistan was in news again surprise surprise um, for the wrong reasons again surprise surprise <laughs> Um, and very tragic thing, Asia Bibi, um, a Christian woman living in Pakistan, uh, has been in the jail for eight years, I think, and she's been accused of blasphemy because yeah. she drank water. She drank water from, or she allegedly drank water from uh, a cup, which she was not supposed to do. That is what the story. That is, is what no the story one is. Yeah, the no one knows the real reason. I, 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 I'm going by what I read on uh, the Guardian or something. I forget. I read. I, I read a report yeah, on no this. Yeah, no one knows. As um, I had problems with, um, uh, you know, Mohammad um, uh, Hanif's piece in uh, New York Times, and I um, made the made my problems very very um, vocal. But there was one point that I liked about his piece. He said, speaking about blasphemy is also blasphemy. So we won't speak about it (laughs) in his usual humor thing. But we'll get to his piece later. Okay. So ever since, I think Imran Khan's government took a stance and released, or they were about to release her saying that, you know, and then there were news come out that she uh, going under the pressure of the extreme right in Pakistan, extreme Islamists in Pakistan. Um, the government issued a travel uh, sort of advisory on her. And, yeah. and a lot of people are saying that if she is in Pakistan, then her life is going to be put Her on. lawyer has already left. Left. And that is incredible. But why is it incredible? Two legislators, two lawmakers have lost their lives for this. Yeah. 
in last one decade so so salman kasir was shot you know you heard no here you have sunanda what is happening people have somehow forgotten about jamal koshagi's thing koshagi's thing in saudi arabia right that people were supposed to take a strong stance yeah. against this and all so there is a us ally doing this hmm. here is a country that you has been given usb has been given unlimited amount of aid and stuff and they have absolutely not changed their policy towards pakistan trump has changed it a little bit i'm not saying he's it's completely uh, he status quo he changed the policy he just admonishes them once in a while ha to matlab to kya hua jhapad khane ke paise mil rahe type of nonsense so how do you view this what is happening and i'm mohal and kishor i'm coming to you in just a second after sunanda has made her initial point no about asia it is just it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. this woman who comes from a very underprivileged strata of mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. and she was somehow accused of blasphemy she is not the only person who has been accused of blasphemy in last so many years in pakistan but she is one of them and she got international um uh, you know sort of attention but what fascinates me about this is that why are christian countries not coming to her rescue why is pope not speaking up why are other christian countries not taking pakistan to task on this she is after all a christian woman and she is being persecuted in pakistan what is this with pakistan that the entire christian world the cat will get their tongue that's that's i mean i have never heard any statement from any so called christian countries yeah that's i mean best. why does this happen that's my conundrum as well i don't yeah, know why maybe um, our foreign policy experts can explain to me <laughs> mohal kishore your take on this i mean i just have a short comment as you see like in the 1950s what president eisenhower referred to a, like in us as the uh, the dangers of the military industrial complex i mm. think in pakistan's case it's the case of the military terrorism industrial mm. complex mm. and i think the chickens are coming home to roost uh, in this case that the country is being slowly being swallowed by uh, extremism which they have nurtured over the oh, last think, few decades i think mohal the chickens have already come they already came to roost i mean we, we somehow sometimes forget where osama bin laden was found 7 years ago when us um, shot him yeah. i mean it's less un- than a mile away from the uh, yeah. academy military academy yeah. that is unbelievable so uh, i mean here is a guy most wanted in the world arguably people may say and then and then here is where he is found in sight yeah it's unbelievable mm-hmm. and um, but what i was i was again saying nobody says anything to pakistan pakistan is truly the most uh, spoiled country in the world mm-hmm. uh, kishore your take on this Yeah, I think I have uh, three points to make. Mm. Uh, when Imran Khan came on uh, came on TV mm. uh, on the evening uh, when the judgment came out, mm. I think the whole uh, whole world uh, was calling him courageous and yes. brave. Mm. But I think I think that bravery and courage were not on display when he actually got uh, the economic advisor uh, who was an Ahmadi uh, belonging to the minority Ahmadi. Mm. Uh, Very good point. Removed uh, simply because the he was right winger did not want uh, the Ahmadi uh, mm-hmm. to uh, uh, person from an Ahmadi uh, to be part of the advisory committee. Mm. So I think uh, we actually uh, forget uh, facts quite quickly, mm. and we end up giving uh, Imran Khan uh, 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 brownie points when he does not deserve any. One, two. I think. Uh, I think uh, uh, the facts uh, from the judgment itself uh, was that it, it was actually a lengthy judgment. But when you look at it, uh, uh, 
clearly told that they do not agree for a life imprisonment for blasphemy. Rather, they uh, they only approve death penalty. However, Ahya Bibi got away simply because uh, the Supreme Court felt that there was no proper evidence. Mm. Otherwise, it could have been done deal for Ahya Bibi. Yeah. She, would have, she would have been uh, put to gallows. Probably the very next uh, uh, morning. Uh, let me uh, let me uh, interrupt uh, you there, uh, Kishore. Let me interrupt you there because you're making a very st- important point, and I want our listeners to understand this. Asia Bibi, Supreme Court of Pakistan, did not say that blasphemy is nonsense in 21st century. There should not be anything called blasphemy. That is not what they said. They um, uh, let her go, as Kishore said, because there is not enough. evidence mm. that is very important yeah because uh, and kishore i'm coming to you for the third point what sunanda is trying to say is there is still a problem with the law yeah. and that is what we really need to understand in question court, pakistan about supreme court actually <coughs> quoted islam i mean quoted quran mm. while letting her go mm. yeah so so ha sorry kishore third point <laughs> yeah. sorry uh, yeah. second point extension ha please uh, simply <laughs> because pakistan is an islamic republic oh. and they would base everything Out of Islamic jurisprudence, and nothing more than that. Hmm. So I don't think uh, we would ever uh, see a day where Pakistan would let go of uh, the blasphemy law. Now the third point, uh, uh, despite uh, the fact that uh, she being a Christian, uh, she is not being held. Despite that, I think the point remains very valid. Wherein, irrespective of whether you are a minority Christian, Hindu, whatever, or you are a Muslim yourself, hmm. blasphemy. applies to everybody in pakistan so mm. no sane voice can actually question mm. uh, uh question uh, prophet or mm. allah or any other uh, higher being and therein lies the problem there is no platform for questioning mm. even if you are a muslim it's a done deal uh, you will have to face the uh, gallows today or tomorrow mm. i think these were the uh, three points Absolutely fascinating points, Kishore. I think it sums it up. Sums up the discussion. And also, the army has been pretty quiet. I mean, not mm. sure like what's going on there. Like, if they take a strong stand, I think others will fall in line. No, that's that's the thing, na. So if if our if in the if in Pakistan the army speaks up, it's an issue of concern. If the army doesn't speak, it's an issue of even bigger concern. Yeah. So <laughs> we have to really wait and watch what happens. Um, uh, but but that 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 sums up the debate on this portion. Uh, I would like to. I mean, I know we we're talking going to talk about Indian politics also, but I think we are flat out of time for that. So I would like to have a short discussion on the U.S. elections since they're happening this Tuesday, and I would like Mohal to kick things things off for us. because he wrote an excellent piece on it and um, he was talking about what is the likely scenario and stuff like that and not just us political commentators even economic analysts are looking at the elections very closely because the stock markets have been extremely volatile in october october has been a bloodbath Uh, for uh, the US stock markets although there are reports of a strong economy so will how the elections will result reflect you know change that or something that's also needs to be seen so mohan your take yeah so all the reports do indicate that the democrats will pick up seats uh, they could be very close to retaking the the lower house of representatives the senate is like just because it's a tough ground where uh, 
they are trying to retain seats the democrats uh, in many of the, the states at tum many times one with double digit margins it's probably going to remain in the republican hands they might even consolidate further mm-hmm. on the democrat side there was a lot of enthusiasm gap i think it was almost like 10 12% back in the summer and they were all gung ho about a tsunami democrat tsunami mm-hmm. but after the brett kavano hearings which are very contentious as everybody knows they have uh, closed the gaps i think the one thing which was uh, lacking was sort of the enthusiasm gap and that was seen in the as i wrote in the the shock uh, dug jones over ramur uh, win in the alabama senate where only half of the people that voted for trump showed up while for clinton like almost the the people who voted for clinton a year later almost 90% of them showed up and i think that's the main challenge of will the republicans will be enthused so if you remember in the 2010 midterms like once obama was elected there was a uh, the the The, it was called the year of the angry white senior so like dave wasserman like uh, at the redistrict like he thinks that this could be the year of the fired up female college graduate in the suburbia usa mm. who's going to show up at the polls because uh, like a record number of women like which is the like almost like 235 are going to uh, uh, basically run for the house and uh, some reports estimate that in, like one in every five uh, member of the house of representatives could be a woman in the upcoming congress which would be like a record breaking numbers you know which is which is so, excellent i feel i think more women should whether it be republican yeah. or democrat should be there but one thing i want to ask you uh, mohal and you talked mm-hmm. about uh, districts and how they are drawn in us see mm-hmm. now i'll give you an example here in harris county in a safe democrat mm-hmm. seat a democrat this time rather than winning by 10000 votes could win by 100000 votes and republicans mm-hmm. could win three seats by four, by three districts by five 500 votes each right but mm-hmm. even though the democrat voting has gone up the republicans are still winning it 3 to 1 i'm just giving it this is a complete hypothetical mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. Yeah, what i'm yeah, saying yeah. is this could happen in because when you say the rise of the suburban uh, women right if, mm-hmm. if historically democrats have always won the cities and republicans have always won the other other parts rural usa mm-hmm. so if you still have that skewed representation in districts it might could could just mean the democrats are winning by bigger margins but republicans are uh, 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 actually keeping the districts yeah so see like the suburbans are like usually the high income wealthy uh, which is more like tends to be more white than uh, racially diverse so now uh, what happened is many of them have been trump, uh, turned off by trump's rhetoric and uh, so called like attack on women hmm. so many of them uh, have been energized now the republicans have made up some of the ground so it is still but i think the battle is in the suburbs mm-hmm. because the rural areas are all with trump the urban areas are all with democrats right mm-hmm. so what happens in the suburbs like the the, the college educated uh, white voters like who are turned off by some of trump's rhetoric do they stay with the republicans or they go back also similarly mm-hmm. what i wrote like what you call the obama trump districts so some of the uh, the low income why blue collar people who voted generations for democrats switch for trump because he was going to be tough on trade and uh, policy mm-hmm. trade policies and uh, jobs so now they did switch to trump but the question is are the 
the local house of representatives does the vote for trump translate over to the house representatives because they might not be i mean for a lack of better come trumpy enough like they might as you know many republicans <laughs> no, but, are like pro trade pro free trade i'll tell you something and and this, this is something and i'm coming to sunil and kishore now in a second but this is something i've noticed that a lot of the republican lawmakers are more talking about the national and international global issues and a lot of democrat people who are challenging them or running or talking about local issues um, now when i talk to people and I, when i talk to them over here just, and ask their opinion they a lot of them says that okay this is fine sure uh, we agree on the greater national perspective but then i want that guy to govern on this local issue and when i ask him or her that question they are not even responding to me on that so uh, there is that dichotomy also and mind you for our uh, listeners i'll tell you if you ever think that we are all talking from the same place uh, mohal is talking from a heavily democrat state and i'm talking from a heavily republican state uh, focusing too much on the house there is also the senate uh, where ted cruz i know in texas is launched uh, is in a bitter uh, fight with beto and sonanda and i have a lunch waiver going on a lunch bet going on on who will win so uh, and i think uh, cruz is going to come back alexi beto no poll except one in the last month has shown him ahead it's all hype being created by the democratic side that oh beto is going to win probably they could have but mohan beto Mohal Beto is not. This is not Beto's claim for Senate. This is Beto is going for a higher, uh, higher uh, play in. Oh, okay. Ha. But but anyways, Sunanda, you you have not spoken yet. About which is unusual. Uh, <laughs> which is no. I am just um, looking forward to what is going to happen. Don't give me that rubbish Tuesday. analogy. Tuesday. I don't give know. Give me your analysis. My no. I really don't know. I think um, it's going to be very very close. But what do you what do you think? Republicans or Democrats? Who's going to take the House and who's going to take the Senate? There is a strong chance that uh, Democrats may take. Don't you give me that? Just give me your opinion. I am telling you, there is a strong chance that Democrats may take the House and Senate. I don't know, 
but the Dem- republicans most likely democrats may take the house adit i know you don't like to hear this no i don't care I, no, I, no 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 but because it goes against your analysis that's what i'm saying no i'm not saying democrat no actually i am with you on that i think the democrats yeah. stra- uh, marginally then my analysis is only on the local uh, yeah, elections because i think democrats might take the house yeah no i that's, agree with you on that know. but it's it's going to be a um, close and, uh, sorry to interrupt but i think and then there's a very good chance republican will gain seats in the senate so it could be totally yeah, that's what i'm saying that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah. Yeah. and and with a with a completely non compromising president in the helm it's it's going, going to be an be eventful two years ha kishore any and um, you are from the land of sidramaiah <laughs> <laughs> yeah or or kumara swami abhi to i forget kumara swami yeah we would always like to look at a gathbandan as possible <laughs> 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 wo to bhai america mein impossible hai <laughs> the, the the only gathbandan right now is happening is between trump and the moderate republicans yeah <laughs> i know i know yeah but then but then yeah. point remains about uh, how uh, commoners uh, uh, appointment time hmm. of uh, brought out all the uh, uh, anger hmm. among the republicans before we wrap up because we are way short of time uh, what are your recommendations this week uh, and and don't so, tell me uh, you didn't think of any because you've come to mind podcast and you know how it goes with us <laughs> so i am going to recommend this uh, great book called restraining great powers by tv paul it shows like how the various nations are balancing from the like early empires to the current global era fascinating Super. fascinating uh, kishore your recommendation Yeah, uh, Excellent recommendation, Kishore. Sunanda, you okay? Quickly, because we don't have time, I will just make it real quick. Uh, my favoriteest novelist, uh, American novelist, David Foster Wallace, who died some years ago. I mean, he killed himself at the age of forty-six. Uh, most of you will know his famous novel, um, Infinite Jest. But I was actually going back, and I had heard this before. His only commencement speech that he ever delivered in his life, and that is considered the finest commencement speech. ever and finest piece of literature ever this is water so i would just recommend it's about 20 minutes long i would recommend everyone to go and read that 
it is a fine intersection of literature, philosophy, and a fine mind that David Foster Wallace was. Lovely. My, uh, you know, uh, Sunanda mentioned a tragic. My, uh, uh, my recommendation is also about the tragic, but he comes from the world of food. Um, Anthony Bourdain, who tragically uh, killed himself yeah. uh, uh, earlier this year. Um, he his last few episodes that he shot before he shot himself or before he killed himself in, in France have been aired by CNN. Uh, his show is Parts Unknown. Uh, watch watch how full of energy that man was and how he approached the world with a very unique sense and how through food he managed to talk about his politics, his views. You don't have to agree with him to watch him, but um, just know there will not be many like him. Yeah, what he did. Um, I, I, as as a as a Huge fan of Bode and I truly my heart was broken, yeah. but do watch it. He, he was he was he was a different kind of person. Uh, so with that, I thank Mohal and Kishore for co- joining us this week. Please do check out their podcast Indian Ra- India Rising with Mohal and Kishore. Uh, thank you for guys. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be back next week with more guys. Uh, thank you. This is uh, Adit and Sunanda signing off. <laughs>